This is episode number 131 with Christopher Kuhn. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Success 101 Podcast. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. And each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren, and I'm incredibly excited to bring you guys my good friend, Chris Kuhn. Chris and I have known each other for quite some time, as you'll hear in the recording, and Chris has a very interesting story, very motivational, and I wanted to make sure I got him on my podcast at some point. Chris has been a financial advisor for over 20 years now, working for one of the largest financial services companies in the U.S., But his story did not begin with a huge amount of success. In fact, Chris was in danger early on of falling through the cracks of the educational system. As you'll hear in our recording today, he was diagnosed early on with dyslexia and fortunately discovered his talent for long-distance running. To this day, Chris's love for running has not changed as he has completed 19 marathons, including the Chicago and Boston marathons, and broke the three-hour barrier twice in 2009. Chris has inspired dozens of audiences with the motivational message of his personal story, and he encourages everyone to discover their strengths and follow their dreams, which is summarized by his motto, which I love, think big, live large, loving life. And guys, there's just so much to Chris's story that you can't cover in a podcast, but you'll hear a glimpse of his early beginnings today and how he has turned his life around for the better and how he has generated massive amounts of success for his family and through the clients he works with in his career, helping them shape their own lives toward tremendous success. So without any further delay, it is my honor to bring you my dear friend, Christopher O. Kuhn to the Success 101 podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren, and I am so excited today to bring Chris Kuhn on the line. Hey, Chris, how are you today? I'm doing awesome, Jared. It's great to be here with you today. Really been looking forward to it. Man, I was excited when I found out we were going to get you on. And I know that you have had just a life of, you know, coming through adversity and then high levels of peak success in your life that I'm excited for the listeners to hear about that. So why don't you fill in the gaps on that introduction and tell us a little bit about what you had to go through earlier in life and then some of the pathways to the performance levels and success levels you have now found yourself in today. Well, you know, when I look back, I mean, we all come into the world and uh, we're blessed to obviously be born in the United States of America, a great country. But the uh, academic system for me in the beginning was very challenging. I'm actually uh, dyslexic, probably ADHD as well. And when I went to uh, half day kindergarten in the beginning of my life, uh, I got to do that for a year. And then I got informed in the second year uh, that I got to come back to kindergarten again, but I got to go for the whole day. Uh, so I'd have uh, kids coming in the morning and kids leaving and then coming in the afternoon. And, and of course, kids are always so, you know, friendly and, and building your self-esteem that when I'd walk <laughs> to school, obviously I was teased um, and uh, just harassed. And then in first grade, I was actually put in special school district and just the adversity of, you know, feeling different, uh, less than, 
because I learned different, uh, really challenged, you know, my early, you know, upbringing and, and really about who I was becoming. But God never creates uh, any junk. And I had an ability to run. When I was in uh, fourth grade, my brother got me starting to run and I was a very uh, talented runner and nationally ranked and just, you know, uh, my self-esteem and, and who I was, I got to feel like what it was like to achieve a great level of success and win the gold uh, and build my self-esteem from that perspective and always knew that I had great uh, people skills and uh, the ability to connect with people and, and an energy and an enjoyment from that. So, but uh, definitely coming out of the starting blocks in the beginning, I think they thought I maybe I'd be lucky to be a trash collector when there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, by all means, I've, I've been very fortunate to be in the profession that I'm in and have the level of success that I've had along those, that time frame. You know, it's amazing just knowing you personally and knowing how disciplined you are and just the high level you run at each day and the success that you've had. I would have never known that you were dealing with that, especially earlier in life. To our listeners out there who hear that and they're going through the same thing or they have kids going through the same thing right now, what's the biggest bit of encouragement you can give or, or bit of hope you can give for someone who is starting out or has started out that way who can really, you know, use that in their life today? I think it's twofold. I think no matter what kids, you know, we need to be, you know, loving our children and building their self-esteem and anybody, I mean, Charles Schwab's dyslexic, Albert Einstein. I mean, there's always people that have, you know, learned differently, but we want to embrace what they do well. And usually what they do well, they'll do better than, than average. They'll be exceptionally gifted at that, but to build their self-esteem and we all have gifts and wounds in our life. And, and one of the things that I had to learn in my career is, is that I would always go back to Jared, you know, oh, I stayed back in kindergarten. I'm dyslexic. I'm that. I'm a really bright, smart, intelligent person. And sometimes we have to let go of our past in order to create possibility for transformation for a new future. And so what I encourage people is that uh, that have come through great amounts of adversity and, and whatever area of life it was, that the true really healing becomes when we're able to let go of it and that we don't have to talk about it as much. In fact, it made me feel really good when you said, well, I would have never known that about you, Chris. Because, you know, years ago, I'd make sure you would have known about it. I told everybody and it was because I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. And now I've developed myself and my mindset to let go of that and move for new things and new opportunities. So you mentioned running. Uh, your brother got you into running. It's amazing to me the stories out there of people who do become incredibly successful and how sports and fitness and athletics and all of that was the gateway to get them there. Once you started running and you started seeing a change even early on in your life, what was the next building block for you as far as this journey that you've been on up to today? So I was, uh, like I said, a nationally uh, you know, ranked runner. And then uh, I ended up going away to uh, boarding school in uh, Connecticut. Always wanted to go to our local high school and I didn't. I went to boarding school and they only had a cross country team. They didn't have a track team. So anyway, I ran really well my first couple of years of high school, and then I kind of started, you know, drifting away from that and then uh, started to party a little bit, smoke cigarettes, things of that nature. And uh, then I went to college at Marshall University. And while I was there, oh, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know you went to Marshall. Yeah, well, yeah, I went to Marshall for a couple of years and then I just had a lifestyle of, you know, a little too much fun. And I just, I again, faced another, you know, obstacle in life or, or the road less traveled and really could have gone down uh, one path, which would have, you know, probably I wouldn't be on this phone today. I'd be God willing, I would have been in heaven or I could change some things in my life and, and go a different direction. And, and that's what I chose 
to do with God's help, you know, 25 years ago. And uh, I actually left Marshall and, you know, kind of got on the right path and started checking groceries at a local grocery store. And then a guy gave me a sales job at a whopping thousand dollars a month. <laughs> but I just knew that I had the Eddie Haskell skills. I just, I knew that, you know, God would open a door and then opportunities would come if I continued to take care of myself, which I did. And and then the rest, uh, as they say, has been, you know, kind of history. But that was another obstacle in life for sure. And a lot of adversity that really, you know, I had to apply discipline and habits and, and openness to a new way of life. And it gave me my life. So if you had to look back across your life, you know, there's several people out there that mention different, you know, roadways they followed or different things, building blocks, whatever term you want to use there. What would you say are maybe the biggest pillars of your life that you now have built on when you look at your faith? your family, uh, you look at the financial advising role you're in each day, working with clients, building a successful practice, you know, all of those are descriptors in some way or another of your life and what you've built to, but really what are the things that you used as the stepping stones to get you to where you are today as far as those life pillars and what you still lean on today from the lessons you've learned? So there's no doubt that, you know, early on, just uh, being open-minded that there was a God in my life. Uh, My parents, you know, had gotten divorced when I was young and, you know, believing that, you know, there was a God that a father that loved me unconditionally and had a plan for me. So the, you know, my whole thing is, you know, God, family, and then myself, I'm kind of third, you know, so that the faith has always been probably the paramount, most important thing in my life is my faith. And then tied to that would no question be my family, uh, my children, and my friends, you know, just the ability to have really great relationships with them. But most importantly, I think to be a great father, uh, somebody who encourages their kids. You know, what I love with our career, we're able to be at our kids' events and we get to be, I mean, you, you're a wonderful father and then you spend plenty of time in the pool with your kids and you work hard and you love them and we want to encourage them and life uh, throws them, you know, curveballs as well. But, uh, you know, I just love, you know, being a father and it's gone by extremely fast. And then lastly would be really, I think the pillar of really exercise and habitual personal growth and learning being a student to uh, an open mind, it's always seeking to get better, to want to get better, to be a good human being in the world, to bring really what I think the greatest force on earth, uh, love, you know, to all all that you encounter and really try to bring um, an energy to people in a world, I think, where there's a lot of people that are lost and, and there's a lot of suffering to really just you know, it's not about me, it's about others. And I think so much of our world is about themselves and that's a lonely place to be. So Yeah, absolutely. And I know one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast, just, you know, knowing you personally over the last several years, I'm sure you remember this, but the very first time I had the chance to speak in an open public forum, uh, you were there. It was the first time I ever it's met you. We down in, I think we were down in San Antonio, if I remember correctly. And I got a chance to listen to you speak and I didn't, you know, I was very young in my career. I didn't know you very well as far as just your name. And it was the first time I ever had a chance to meet you personally, but I was just, I was captivated by your energy, your positivity, your enthusiasm more than anything. And I could tell that it was real. Little did I know at that point what it really took to survive and thrive in the business world today with the society, you know, society puts so many demands on us. Then we have families, you know, we have marriages, we have issues with our kids, we have issues with friends, issues in our business. I mean, there's so much that life doesn't prepare you for. So I'm a young guy, 25 years old back then. 
and I just assume everybody's young and vibrant and, you know, no, not, doesn't have any issues, no complexities in life. And then you grow up and you realize, man, this place is really hard and there's a lot that comes at you each day, especially when you perform at a high level. But I haven't seen that enthusiasm wane on you. In fact, anytime, uh, you know, for those listening out there who don't know Chris, anytime I'm around him, he's one of the guys that just, and I'm not just saying this, he lights up the room with energy, enthusiasm. I mean, we all have our issues that we're working through. We're human, but you're contag- it's contagious. You know, enthusiasm is contagious and people want to be around that. Tell me what you have found to be helpful, because back to my earlier comment, we're all human. We all deal with stress. It's not like your kids don't have any issues or your marriage doesn't have any issues and everyone else does, right? right? I mean, you, you don't have the perfect setup. So you're dealing with that junk every day and trying to figure out how to motivate yourself in the mornings when you're tired and don't feel great, but still have to go perform for your clients. You have to be a great friend, father, husband, your faith, all of that that you mentioned. What do you, are there any rituals you have right now, anything that you lean on each day to keep you from just getting burnout drug down by the world, uh, keep your energy levels up, sleep, rest, all those things. Give us a peek into your life around those issues. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have gifts and wounds and we all have struggle. And a lot of times people say, well, with your enthusiasm and excitement, you know, you can't always be on like this. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I do is I kind of went back to, I try to live my life within 24 hour compartments. And I really, truly try to live in now, in this moment. I mean, this very moment that you and I are speaking together and as people are listening, I mean, that really, truly is all we have in our life is this very moment. So I, and two, I really, uh, because I feel like I was given a second chance to live and to grow, I value just how short life truly is, uh, just in this career. And I remember exactly when I met you, it was in Texas, you actually spoke first, you gave a great talk. Uh, it was a r- wonderful talk. And I learned a lot about you there. And it just seems like that was yesterday, but it was, you know, quite a few years ago. And now I've been in the business, you know, almost 23 years. And, but what I do is, you know, I wake up every day and I, I hit my knees and I ask, you know, my God, that and that's what I choose to believe in, to help me, you know, be of service. I pray for my family, my kids, relationships. I pray, uh, you know, some for personal things. At the end of the day, I thank him for that. I get in the gym. I exercise much like you do. Are you hitting uh, that first up, thing in the morning? First thing in okay. the morning, yeah. It's like, I uh, love it. You got to get the, you know, you got to get the step going, get the blood flowing, uh, get your mind right. Uh, when I do that, I listen to, you know, either podcast uh, like this or I uh, listen to Spotify with some great workout music and just get my mind totally. Mostly Success 101 podcast, right? Mostly six. Oh, definitely. definitely. Absolutely. And, uh, but you know, I get my mind on, right. Cause I think that's the conditioning. And then I look and I, and I take a shower and shave and kind of put on the suit for the day and, and I get excited. You know, I mean, the great thing that you and I have is that we really love what we do and the impact. So like going, you know, to the office for me is not a chore. Uh, it's really a privilege and it's given us so much to be thankful for. I mean, I just, I grew up, like I said, no money broke, you know, my mom did the best she could do, but, you know, we never really wanted for anything, but we never had, you know, tons. And, you know, today, you know, my family and I have a life uh, that I dreamed about and it's all been possible through really great habits and disciplines. I have a great group of friends, you know, and, and I have lots and lots of acquaintances. I've learned this as I've aged, you know, tons. I mean, I know lots and lots of people, but I probably have a handful of, you know, four or five friends that are there for me, you know, unconditionally at any time. And I share with my friends, you know, when they're struggle and whether that's in my marriage, um, 
at work, whatever's going on. I share that. I pray. I go to other meetings and events and, and hear about what's going on in other people's lives and realize that I have uh, luxury problems today. You know, a lot of times, you know, my problems really aren't real world uh, problems. Sure. And then lastly, what I would share with you is, you know, when I came in the business, I was told that if I did certain things, I would be successful. And I read The Common Denominator of Success by Earl Gray. Oh, it's great. And, you know, the book says it, and it's so true in any facet of life. But, you know, what's the difference between a really successful person and, and the unsuccessful person? And it is that the successful person habitually will do the things that the other person can't or isn't willing to do. And that's what I do. The days that I don't feel like doing my disciplines, my push-ups, I do them anyway. And then the days like today where I'm in a great mood and had a wonderful email this morning from a guy and I, and, and, you know, today I've had a spring in my step all day long. I want a high kick. I'm fired up for life. And it's been a wonderful day, but you know, it's because I'm able to feel like I do today because of all the work and the momentum that's been built into the other days. But uh, I really, truly just try to live today and realize that again, you know, a hundred years from now, nobody's even going to know maybe that I even existed. So I want to get the most out of this life that I can. And uh, it truly is flying by. Man, that's so good. I, I'm constantly reminded and then I'll, you know, I'm human. I'll forget. I'm fickle, whatever. I, I get bogged down by life. But it's so good to be reminded all the time about living in the now. And it's it can be easy to say like, oh, yeah, we need to live in the now. But when you really practice that, which I think you do, I think you're fully engaged in, you know, every moment that I've been around you. It just seemed like I said, it seems like you're on all the time. And that's rare just because most people don't know how to handle high levels of stress, high levels of activity. You know, being in the now is super important. I also think for those who have heard my podcast uh, with Craig Williams, who ran a desert race out there, just phenomenal story. He gave a bit of advice toward the end where he said, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. And that was huge for me because so many times we're sitting in the frame, so to speak, we're dealing with, you know, being in the now, but not in a positive way. We're dealing with being in the now in a very super stressful, negative way. And if we could just see over the horizon, if we could just see what 13 days from now is about to show up on our radar, that is tremendous blessing and encouragement and good things coming our way from the work we've done and the work we've put in place. If we can just see what the next 15 months look like. So I think we can deal with that in two ways. One, very negatively and unhealthy, which is we deal with the now in a very pessimistic, negative way, but we can also deal with the now in a very healthy way as well. Yep. And so it's good. Thanks for, thanks for reminding us of that. Let's talk about your success in your financial planning practice and your advisory practice a little bit here. I know that you, some of our listeners have not met you personally, or they don't know anything about you the way that I do. But guys, this, I mean, whenever I say Chris has achieved at high levels, we're talking about top 20 rankings nationally. And then just so much more than that, though, just the way you advise your clients and handle your clients and your source of trust for them, but just performing at very high levels for 23 years now, where so many of us are getting bogged down and burnout and just not enjoying heading into the office, as you said, walk us through the early beginnings of your career up to where you are now and some of the building blocks that have helped you to achieve at high levels, but also keep your focus and enthusiasm around just not getting burnt out in a very stressful, hectic environment. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things is that uh, I think uh, growing up, my grandfather had been successful. Uh, my roommate in college was from Dallas. They were a very successful family. And so I saw in the world, frankly, there were people that were doing well. And that through my struggle, my first job, I washed dishes. But intuitively, I always wanted to be successful, Jared. So I was always looking for what I call like the, the framework or the blueprint or essentially somebody to believe in me 
that saw that I had talents and gifts and the abilities. And, and that's where I got, you know, fortunate that when I got called into the career that we're in, when I came in, I had a mentor who believed in, you know, Chris Kuhn long before Chris Kuhn believed in himself. And whatever he would tell me to do, because I wanted to be successful more than anything in life, I would do that and then some. And I w didn't have a clock that, you know, I got up at the crack of dawn and I got home when the sun had first, you know, set. Uh, but I had this vision for what life was going to look like and what I was building. And I truly do love people. And my ability is to connect and have energy with people. And our business is nothing but a numbers game. And if you can take the human condition of emotions out of the picture and just play the game the way it's supposed to be you know, played, you'll be very, very successful at this. So in the beginning, I got off to just a rocket you know, ship start. And I was really a transactional guy in the beginning looking for the, you know, where was I going to position this or that to get the sale and, you know, you'd have to hunt and kill, hunt and kill. And then our uh, firm, as time went on, got more into planning and comprehensive planning and those things. And so I found myself at a crossroads about five years ago where I was getting that burnout of, you know, a couple hundred lives a year and just doing the same old treadmill. My excitement, you know, when you don't have any money and you're dead broke, you'll do anything to do. But then we kind of get a level of comfort we're making money, we're doing well. So we have to kind of reset our bar. In fact, uh, uh, Mark Cuban said it best uh, in a uh, success magazine. He said, your bank account is only a mere reflection of your past accomplishments and has nothing to do with your future, which for me, you know, you know, it was huge because for me, I was like, well, you know where I came from. So I should be very thankful for what I have. But I had a friend of mine who was definitely getting in the wealth management side of the table who really sat me down and drew a vision and a picture about what was possible if you would start to build uh, you know, a planning practice and doing that for people, what would that look like over time? And so I really got excited about that and decided to die. Knowledge is power. Uh, Jack Minner, a friend of mine who died this last year at 89 years old said that, but knowledge is power. And I used to deflect that, but it's so true. And and then I love Nick Murray and have really adapted. So I got really excited about, you know, bringing assets in, doing the planning and the impact. And, and so many people need our help. I mean, that's that's the thing that I look at. I mean, we sign up to do what we do, but every day we go into a world where people die, they become disabled. I mean, you know, a scary statistic uh, that a friend of mine recently shared with me is that, you know, the percentage of people that will be in retirement with an income of 40,000 or more a year. I mean, what percentage of those people do you think it is? Well, I, I think I know the answer, so I won't answer it, but <laughs> it's 2%. Yeah. <laughs> so like literally, that means you're working, you know, with people that make 500 million. I mean, they're, you know, only 2% of the population. So people need our help more than ever. And they are so fortunate and lucky that we get there and we ask them great questions. In fact, I think that we become, you know, people they enjoy to be around because we ask great questions and we truly listen. We have wonderful listening skills and then we help them implement planning that helps them feel great about their life and what's important to them. And we actually get paid handsomely well to do that. And what I love most of why I always want to do this business at a high level is because, uh, you know, at the end of the at the end of the world out there, you know, Thoreau always said, you know, most men live lives of quiet desperation, you know, and I really like it you know, on my tombstone. You'd say, well, man, there lies Christopher O'Coon, you know, 100 percent used up running on fumes at the end of the sucker. Right. <laughs> 
So that's just how I live, man. So every day I come in, I do my disciplines you know, and habits. And habits are, are really what form our career. I mean, a lot of people say, well, discipline does. But there's a lot of people that have really poor disciplines that they're married to. So I believe that it's the habits applied to the disciplines that set the greats a, a, away from everybody else. And when you love what you do, though, it's hard not to uh, just get really excited about the opportunity. Absolutely. And in our business, for those who don't know out there, it's about, you know, and other businesses are this way as well. It's not just for us, but we've got about an 11 and a half percent. And actually, it's even a little bit lower now, but 11 and a half percent ratio of starting in the business day one in the financial services industry and being here until your fifth anniversary. So, you know, defying odds and beating odds is uh, a lot more people leave than stay. So you've been here 23 years and still finding a ton of value and success serving your clients working each day. Besides your dyslexia, though, and other, you know, maybe some learning things that you had to go through early on. What's been the biggest bit of business adversity you've had to go through to build to the point you're at now? You know, that's a great question. I would tell you that it goes back to constantly working on being the best version of yourself and believing in your capacity that you can take on more. I think I have limited myself in the past and Essentially, if you could, you know, if people would write out two circles and and you draw two circles and one circle, we would put, you know, what happened? You know, what happened is I flunked kindergarten. What happened is uh, it took me three times to pass the life and health. What happened? It took me three times to get the series six, you know, five years later and then two times to get the 60. Those things happen. But the other circle with those things happening is the stories and the rackets that I would sell myself on that you're not as smart as others. This is all going to end tomorrow. You know, if you're up in your brain by yourself, I call that enemy territory. And as humans, you know, we're meaning making machines and we, we put stress, like we talk about the word stress, right? That's a word. And we put energy around it and it's either good stress or negative stress. And I really f- feel at the end that as I'm aging and I'm not that I'm ancient, but at 47 with wisdom and time, and constantly wanting the constant improvement to always change and get better. I would say that I wish I had, if I could go back to myself in my early 20s and early 30s, I would get credentialized, all of it, no matter how long it takes. And I would grow myself and my knowledge base and my knowledge and wisdom and partner with great people. And I would have, not that I'm not happy with where I am today, but my capacity, I'd always have friends that would say, well, you could be a, you know, you could do this, you could do that. And I would say, yeah, you're probably right, but I never believed them. And today I believe in myself and, uh, and, and hopefully that answers your question. What was the biggest building block for you to start believing in yourself? Because I know a lot of really successful people out there who can make, I guess, excuses of why they've been successful. You know, when people say, oh man, you've accomplished so much and they go, well, yeah, but I, I kind of knew this guy at the right time. And or I had this deal close, or I had this real estate thing go through. And, and you just hear over and over that, man, even though they've been so stinking successful, they still have not learned how to believe in themselves. And that's a hard thing. You know, self-promotion is a hard thing. You always feel like, man, am I, am I sticking my neck out there? And, you know, somebody's going to discount what I'm doing. What was it for you, though, other than just, hey, I've been successful, that allowed you to really start believing in yourself after people telling you that for a while? Well, you know, I I think it's two things. So one is I love to watch how people discount themselves. You know, it's like, hey, you know, Jared, I love that shirt. And you tell me you got it on sale. I just said I like the shirt. I didn't ask you (laughs) where you bought it. Or the guy that says, you know, you know, he's super successful. And he tells you that, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I got lucky on the account. No, I mean, you know, my wife's grandpa used to always say, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. But what I would tell you for me is that this is my greatest thing that I love about our business is 
to do this with a humble heart, right? I'm a humble guy. I don't, you know, I like nice things and things, but things don't define me. And I will have the same conversation that you and I are having today uh, with you as I would with a doorman or uh, the guy that does maintenance on our building as I would the president of the United States. So, you know, that when I say believe in yourself, it's just that we all have, you know, as Tony Robbins talks about self-limiting beliefs. And I had so many tapes and so many rackets that the world had sold me on that I bought that I wish I could have just gotten rid of the shackles of doubt earlier in my career and allowed myself to really open up the possibilities of how big we can become and the impact we can have in our communities and our lives and our kids' lives. I just wish I would have seen with, uh, with even, my big thing is I love think big. I wish I had just been thinking bigger sooner rather than later. That's huge. Just, I mean, I hear so many people say that who are older than you and I both that say, look, if I could go back to the 20 year old or 30 year old me, it would just be to just get out of my own way. And, and that's easier said than done, right? I mean, you hear that and you're like, man, that's great advice, but it's like, okay, go apply it now. That's the tough part is, right. is the application. Who are, I know you mentioned Nick Murray, you've mentioned several people, Tony Robbins, other people here. Who are you, who is uh, mentoring you these days out in the business world? Maybe not specific to your business, but just out there that's a, a business coach or someone that you're taking advice from. Who do you follow? Who are you uh, gaining wisdom from? Yeah, so that's a great question. So one is, I always get a tremendous amount of wisdom from John Qualley, uh, my uh, retiring partner, managing partner, just has always been somebody that, you know, I just have an ability to connect with him and he believes in me. Secondly, is uh, a great uh, friend of mine, a business owner, client of mine, that he runs a $100 million company. And uh, he and I, our past are very similar. And uh, he's always uh, just, you know, constantly you know, dripping good things into my coffers and helping me be better. And then I also, myself personally, I like reading, you know, I like Jesus Calling in the morning. I do the success magazines. I listen to the CDs that come with the magazines. I listen to your podcast. So I'm, I'm a student of uh, just wanting to get better all the time. And then to some of my clients that are really successful, I find in our meetings, our client one-on-one -on -one meetings that a tremendous amount of value in helping me become a better person just happens within our meetings when you ask really powerful questions. Absolutely. And I've mentioned on my podcast before, Success Magazine, uh, you know, Darren Hardy is right here in Dallas. Uh, I didn't realize that for a long time, but uh, man, my goal is to get him on the podcast. So if anybody out there knows Darren Hardy personally, <laughs> give me a... Give oh, me, he's the best, man. Give me an that end. He's sense. awesome. So uh, yeah, Success Magazine, I get it every month. I had a uh, a good friend of mine that just believed in it so much. He said, I'm going to get this for you. I thought he was joking. And then it showed up. And every single month, there's a lot of subscriptions that I've gotten excited about and then very quickly done away with. And this one just every month is feeding me with new... Uh, and with that, I would tell you too, it's a great, uh, if you're in the service business, uh, and you have highly successful. So I actually had a client of mine that, you know, told me to get the magazine, uh, which I have, but I have given it to many clients of mine because the subscriptions, you know, it's only $50 for like two years. So I give it as a gift that shows up to clients' houses and everything. And they remember me and then they get the value of the magazine as well. That's great. I'll put you on the hot seat here for just a second. Tell me about family life. What has helped you become a better father, better husband, even in the midst of a very busy financial practice that you run each day and having to be, you know, having to have a FaceTime with a lot of people. Many times we go home and whether you're in our business or a different business, you're just, you're bombarded with conversation all day, both good and bad. And then you go home and you go, man, I really 
just kind of don't want to be, <laughs> don't want to be around people. And as bad as that sounds, it's, you know, we've got to have the alone time. I get the sense that you're still very fully engaged. Tell me what learning lessons that you've learned there as a father and a husband. Yes. I mean, in the early years, I mean, A, you know, being from a divorced family and not really having a father figure. My dad's been gone for about 10 years, but I never really had the fatherly figure. You know, my biggest commitment, you know, my bride, Lisa Rose, uh, who I, I do adore, but I always wanted to be a great father. And in the early years, you know, we give so many hours to building our practice. And I'll never forget it. I had a coach of mine, Edie Varley, who said, Chris, it's amazing that you give all your energy and love and enthusiasm to all your clients. Yet when you get home to your most precious gifts in the world, you're a jerk. And it was so true. I really was. I would come in and just be exhausted. And like you said, just, you know, I'd given, I've given my heart and my soul to the world to try to create a life for us, but I had nothing really in the tank when I got home. So I implemented uh, years ago, you know, first 15 minutes, you know, most arguments are those things that occur in the first 15 minutes of being home. So I kind of come home and I take 15 minutes to get undressed and I'm all by myself and just kind of unwind. And then I try to, now with my kids that they're older, you know, it's funny. You know, they, uh, so Berkeley's 19, uh, Ava Rose is going to be 17 this month and Gunner's uh, 13. So they have a lot of their own lives going on. So they don't necessarily want to hang with dad like they used to. But I really view, you know, try to be present with them. Uh, although I still struggle with, you know, I get on Netflix or, you know, I'll listen to one of your podcasts or whatever. I can get sideways myself and get lost on my iPad. But what I really, I mean, I just see how quickly this, I remember when I, my kids were little babies, a guy came up to me in a coffee shop and he said, hey, enjoy your angels while you have them because you, they'll be gone shortly. And uh, I can tell you now I see exactly what he meant by that. And I just, you know, my greatest joy really is spending time with my family. I mean, my kids are athletic and when I go to their sporting events, that it literally that hour, hour and a half of a game is like the greatest you know, part of my entire week ever and the adversity. My daughter blew out her ACL 10 months ago playing soccer. And, you know, I went with her from the surgery and laid with her and, and we recovered and we got into therapy and I've gone through this journey with her. And, you know, I have my kids on my father's day or birthday, write me a handwritten note about our relationship. I don't really need presents, but I love getting their handwritten notes. And, wow, you know, the notes that I get from my daughter and my, you know, I'm, you know she says I'm her best friend, you know, and she's 17. <laughs> and those things make me feel really good. But I would tell you in my marriage as well, I, I want to be a better husband and that's things I pray for. I love my wife and I, uh, but life teaches me. And in 20 plus years of marriage, you know, we've had great highs and lows, but we're committed to one another and, and I just, um, love, you know, I love my family. I mean, that's ultimately, as you know, with your beautiful family, I mean, that, that's a driver for me that helps me want to come into the office and do my disciplines. Cause you know, I always told people in the earliest, you know, your kids can't say to you, Hey daddy, be successful so we can go on vacation and daddy, make sure you make enough money so I can go to college. And, you know, but those are the things we want to provide for our children sure. and, that's what's so great when we're driven and many of your listeners are driven that we can give our families, you know, beautiful lives and, and uh, have great impact on who they become as a human in this world. Absolutely. Uh, this week I had Jesse Itzler on my podcast. Uh, that episode is not aired yet at the time that we're, we're recording this. But one of the most profound things that I heard him say is, you know, when asked what's the definition of success, he said, you know, and he didn't say this. He just said, I've always heard 
that the definition of success is when your kids grow up, they still want to hang out with you. And, you know, for most people, that definition of success is very different than that. But I can get on board with that. You know, you're talking about your daughter at 17 writing letters uh, saying or saying she's your best friend. I mean, that that kind of melts my heart, you know, as a dad of three daughters myself. And my wife just sent me a text this week. I don't, I'm not sure where she got this from. But she heard that you only get 940 Saturdays with your child, 940, which sounds like a lot. But by the age of five, 260 of them are already gone. So it's it's, uh, it's unbelievable. So uh, I I think somebody in our business recently said you only get 18 summers and 18 Christmases with your kids. Just you think about that and it's like, what? I mean, it's just people tell you when you're younger and you hear that they tell you, oh, time flies by. You need to soak it up. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, and then you live it and you blink and it's gone. It's, man, and most people, I think, live with, um, they regret more things that they didn't do than things that they actually tried to step up and do and implement. And you so true. can't get it back. Can't get it back. Chris, I've mentioned uh, several times here that we are both in very highly active roles. You know, that was the, really the impetus of this podcast and why it was created. I got so burnt out in 2015. My listeners know that I just, you know, I didn't, didn't like life. And there were some spiritual issues there. There was mostly some sleep issues. There was just negative thinking and the whole world of audiobooks, podcasts, people that are coaching out there that are helping you see each day for better than what it is. I mean, we need that help. And I always just thought I could just muscle it through and I'm tough and I don't need that and I can just keep going. And while that works when you're young, it certainly doesn't work when life throws too many curveballs your way. So to be your age now, 23 years in your practice, wonderful family that you've learned a lot from and, and you know, being dad, being a husband, being a friend, being a mentor, speaking engagements, top 20 nationally, in the company and, and different things like that, you've got to be doing something. Again, you, you don't have a bionic body, right? You've got to be doing something to keep your mind right each day. And that could come along the lines of reading and listening to things like we've mentioned as well here. But I have to think there's the component of sleep, nutrition, fitness, you've mentioned already. What are some things that you're doing maybe in your evening routine to get enough sleep or in your morning routine, like working out, but just health, fitness, things you're eating, things you're doing just to stay youthful? Walk us through that because I know, I think, I know that uh, nobody can be as active as you are and as upbeat as you are all the time with just, oh, he's got a different personality than somebody else. You have to be doing some things to treat yourself right to do that. What Walk through that with us. Well, right. I mean, if you think about like our most valuable asset is our basically the temple that we've been born with, right? Our bodies, our minds, you know, spiritually. Um, I've always worked out. I ran marathons for years, uh, ran with a group. We did two a year, did that for about 10 years. And so we'd meet at 530 in the morning and do that. I did that for a long time. And then after I, I finally broke three hours in the marathon twice back in 09, my body was getting a little rattled. And my wife had bought me a uh, personal trainer to try that out. And I didn't take advantage of it right away. And then I started doing that. So now I go twice a week to a trainer, which is really an investment in ourselves. I mean, I pay for it, but I love paying for it because at the end of the day, like our clients pay us to help them navigate the waters. I don't know what in the world to do in the gym, but I tell you what, I put on so much muscle and lean mass and just feel like it's like the new thing. I love it, getting the veins and going and the pump (laughs) and just... It's like very addictive, but it's great. And I like my trainer. He's awesome, Zach. And he just tells me exactly what I need to be doing. Um, I do, uh, you know, during the week, I try my best to uh, eat healthier. I uh, had gone to the doctor um, a couple years ago and thought I was extremely healthy, but my good cholesterol was a little jacked and my glucose was a little off and this and that. And so, you know, I take, I do take a lot of vitamins I have for years I do the protein shakes. I eat right during the week and I've really tried to, you know, cut out. I go to a place called Fit Flavors 
in St. Louis, Missouri. They're healthy, prepared meals, uh, perfect portion size during the week. And then on the weekends, I still do like my birthday cake, ice cream cones and spring. You know, I just love <laughs> nice. all that stuff. Nice. You know, but I do. But I mean, I really put an emphasis and drink, you know, in my and I, I've gotten away from soda. I might have maybe one or two sodas a month. I used to have them daily. I drink uh, seltzer uh, water in my office, you know, raspberry, lime, lemon, keep drink four or five of those a day. I've got a nice little, uh, you know, uh, box full of beef jerky, rice cakes, you know, uh, peanuts, uh, almonds, things of that nature that I keep in my office. So anything with vitamins or, uh, you know, nootropics, anything to help you think? Yeah. So I do a vitamin pack that I get at the supplement store that I go to. I do fenogreek. I do 4,500 milligrams of fish oil a day, which has actually added 12 points to my good cholesterol Nice uh, from doing that. And then, you know, I definitely like into taking good care of myself and it really helps me deal. You know, we've mentioned the word stress a few times or you have, and it just, you know, working out uh, with technology, I get my, you know, beats, you know, wireless headset in with my iPad, go to Spotify put it on a workout station. I mean, I can get, you know, and I just love getting the body flowing and pumping and mentally it has always helped me feel better. And, you know, I want to be able to be a grandpa that, you know, gets after it with his grandkids. And, you know, I see people at my age now that aren't looking like they used to, and they don't look great and their bodies are falling them. And I don't want to have that. Even if we died on the same day, the lifestyle of taking care of yourself and how we feel, it's just, it's, it, to me, it's just paramount. Absolutely. Man, can't say that enough for sure. And I'd love for you to be vulnerable here. Where is the biggest area that Chris Kuhn needs to work on right now? Of all areas of life, if you had to pick maybe one, maybe two, maybe one or two. So I would tell you the two things. So one would be, one area would be that I need to, when I talk about eating better, is I'll have great discipline for a while and then I'll just like throw it away for a while. So I just, I don't bring the same psyche to that habit. So that would be another area would be to continue really just to try to be, you know, just keep working on, you know, being a present father and a husband and a better man. You know, it's funny, you know, in life, I feel like, you know, we do great and then God smacks us down and we go through like kind of the desert and then we do great again. And, you know, knock on wood, you know, I've been in a really good place here for, you know, for like a pretty good span since my last, like where I call, like where I had to reinvent myself, kind of where you were when you started your podcast. Right. But it's amazing how, you know, when you get things going really well again, that there's like the bad dog. It's the old thing you got to, you know, the the young little Indian says to the chief, you know, the chief tells him you got two dogs in your life, you know, on each shoulder and one's a good dog and one's a bad dog. And the, and the little boy says, well, which, which, you know, which dog you know, is the one that wins. And, and the chief says to the little boy, well, whichever dog you feed. Yeah. And, you know, so in my, in just all of us, we all have something that takes us off course. That's not in our best interest. And, and sometimes I feel like that, that I get tempted with those, you know, to, to want to derail my, you know, things are going so well that I want to like screw it up, frankly. And I just feel like I've been battling that a little bit lately to be totally transparent with you. And thanks so much for being vulnerable and sharing that. And you mentioned something similar to these lines a little bit earlier, but I think I asked the question a little bit differently. But if you could go back and tell 20, 30-year-old Chris Kuhn or even 40-year-old, you know, just a few years back from where you are now, if you could uh, share with someone younger than you or a former version of yourself, uh, one of the greatest lessons to prepare yourself going forward based on what you know now, what would that be? You know, A, it would be just to continually push into a relationship with God. And that uh, if you put the work and energy into that, 
you will be your wildest dreams and feelings and every the person you'll become will just blow you away. And then secondly would have been to hire bigger, better staff, quicker, spend the money. Don't second guess it. You know, don't be so cheap. You know, people in our business, you always want to get, you know, really good staff, but you don't want to pay for it. You get what you pay for. And I would have invested in great staff. And then lastly, I would have invested more. I'm in a team approach now with people where I work in more of a team than the Lone Ranger. And I would have embraced team earlier than I did. Awesome, man. And last question as we wrap up here, what is for you personally, what is the definition of success? You know, for me, it's knowing that, you know, deep down in my core, I gave uh, myself, you know, to my cause and building my practice the best of my ability that I loved and uplifted more people than I brought down. And that when people would think of Chris Kuhn, they would say, you know, that guy uh, was there for me. And uh, really, when I was in his presence, I felt like he generally cared about me as a human being. And if I can leave this world uh, with lots and lots of people at my funeral saying, I loved Chris Kuhn, that would be a success. Awesome answer. You know, it's funny. Uh, I haven't listened, obviously, to the playback of this uh, podcast yet, but just what I'm picking up on here in the notes I'm taking, it's, if you could see these, it's basically just so much about life and living life to the fullest and living in the now, not necessarily for business, but more for just your family and for your friends and giving back to others. And, uh, That's really cool because we've mentioned a lot of business stuff here and we've mentioned your success, but the notes that I have of answers that you gave are, you know, pretty much just riddled with, it's all about family and friends and life and giving back to clients and leading others. And uh, man, I think as we all grow older, again, we're going to regret the times that we didn't do more of that. And we did other, you know, just, just trying to find success in the workplace, even though that has to be there, right? I mean, we have to provide for our families and things like that. But so many times as we listen to older people who have gone before us, They're always looking back and saying, man, I would have done things differently and I would have uh, worked harder during the times I was there. I would have worked less hours, though, in the actual office. Yep. And I would have done a lot more with my life because I wasn't living in the now. I was just working for this next thing over the horizon that really kind of never comes because then your focus gets on something else when you think you've gotten there, right? So, Chris Kuhn, man, thanks so much for your time. I know you are super busy and we certainly appreciate you being here on the Success 101 podcast to help us all be better and pause and think about these things. And where can people find you? If people want to send you a shot of encouragement or direct message or anything like that. So I'd say, you know, chris.coon at nm.com. Awesome, man. Chris, thanks so much. We wish you the best and uh, in your endeavors and uh, certainly appreciate you being here. And thanks so much. Hey guys, if you've enjoyed the Success 101 podcast, do me a huge favor, head over to Apple and give it a five-star rating and even a review. That's what lets Apple know that you enjoy this podcast and what keeps things going on into the future. If you want to connect with me for questions, comments, future guest ideas, you can reach me at my email address, which is info at success101podcast.com or in the world of social media, where I'm on several platforms, including Facebook at facebook.com slash success101podcast, on Twitter at Warren Jared, or on Instagram at the newly changed name of success101podcast. I enjoyed having Chris on the show today and love having you tune in. I'll catch you on the next episode of the Success 101 Podcast. Until then.